Whether you're picking and grinning or just picking or just grinning, grab a drink, pull up a seat. It's time for Roots Music Rambling. Turn it up. So how was the uh, Coulter Wall concert? I I heard you had an an, an interesting experience. So, like, (laughs) it's not Coulter's fault. I mean, he... He's awesome. Love his voice. Love his music. Uh, I'm just a little spoiled, just like we talked about with Tyler Childers, right? You know, I'm used to seeing acts like that in much smaller venues with far fewer people and for a much smaller cost. Um, So the Coulter Wall Show was at the Salt Shed, which is this new venue in Chicago that I've talked about. Um, It was my first time being in the salt shed, like indoors. There's an outdoor portion and then an indoor portion. So it was my first show in the indoor portion of it. So I wasn't sure what to expect. I'd heard that the sight lines aren't that great if you're on the, like in GA on the floor. Mm. Um, And unless you're like right up in the front and you're short like me, you're not going to see anything. So that's basically what happened. Um, And normally like other shows I've been to where, you know, like Tom always says, that's a rule. Shorty's in the front. Right. <laughs> um, and that's typically how it's been, but this show, they were not having it. Um, and you know, I could not see a damn thing. Mm. Um, and then like I was with my friend Michelle and we were probably the only two females there that were not attached to a dude. Um, <laughs> And we were probably the oldest females there that were not attached to a dude. So, you know, the the crowd did skew very young. Uh, As far as like the couples go, um, the single dudes, they they were of all ages. But what really upset Michelle and me is that, you know, Michelle's my age. We've been going to shows half our lives, more than half our lives, and never experienced anything like that where – we're just trying to get through to go to the bar or go to the bathroom and nobody would move for us. Um, And then when we did try to move up, people would make like a wall so we couldn't get past them. Hmm. And I'm like, well, geez, I'm really glad I spent $70 to stare at the back of all these people's heads. Hmm. Um, So, and yes, I know, well, you could have gotten there earlier or you could have paid more for the reserve seats and blah, blah, blah. I have never done that. Um, and it's just not in my budget. So my solution is I'm just not going to those shows anymore, you know? Um, and the crowd was very young. We could not escape this group. Um, and they were really, really drunk. And I know I've been there too, but the, the one girl in the group, like, as I was walking past, she like put her hands on me and I was like, I swatted her away and I had to catch myself because you don't mess with an Italian woman in a situation (laughs) like that. Cause my temper. So I caught myself because I could have probably, I would have knocked her out. That's how intoxicated she was. Wow. So um, yeah. So Coulter, I'm really sorry. Love you, dude. Love your music. But I miss the days of walking up to the box office, the day of the show. Um, Yeah throwing 20 bucks and walking in and getting to see the entire stage. Well, so I, I'm not mad that he's, he's earned this success. Yeah. But I'm mad that I can't have those same kinds of shows like we had almost five years ago. Well, I think we've reached a, 
you know, the kind of a crescendo, even in Americana music, ironically enough, where the top, you know, 10% of acts out there are commanding bigger crowds because of platforms like TikTok and Instagram that are allowing, you know, right. people to go big earlier in their careers before they even have albums out so that they can command live audiences. Um, like Lovejoy. Exactly. So we're getting to a point where it, it's you, you almost have to go see undiscovered artists to be able to have that more intimate experience anymore. And that's just the the nature of of the beast that we live in that's you know driven by social media and everybody's a publisher and always on uh you know internet you know stuff is just yeah. creating a different world it's a different dynamic these days so i mean you know if tyler childers and i'll use him as an example cuz we talked about last time we recently just bought tickets to see him if i had tried to buy tyler childers tickets well, let's put i'll put it in a, a, a context that makes more sense for people Buying Sturgill Simpson tickets five years ago when he was at about at that same, you know, uptick as Tyler now, you know, 35, 40 bucks at the the Brown Theater in Louisville. I sat in the balcony on the third or fourth row, but I got the tickets. There wasn't a line. I didn't have to do a Ticketmaster lottery. You know, I paid 35, 40 bucks for a couple or for one seat and then bought a couple seats for me and a friend and got to see Sturgill in that environment. Same general timing in his career. I'm paying lots of money for um, the United Center, a big arena for the same you know, sort of timing yeah. in his career. Now, Tyler's blown up a little bit faster than Sturgill did. Yeah. But I would argue that, you know, five years ago, I think is when I saw Sturgill here in Louisville. And it, he, I don't think a Sturgill concert today would be as bad as Tyler because he's blown up so fast. Yeah. But they're generally on that same parallel. And so we've just reached a point in time where you're going to have to find somebody really early on, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to do this show. Yeah, because exactly. we can help surface some of those people that, hey, you need to go see, you know, S.G. Goodman now yep. because S.G. Goodman, you know, and, and by the time I get to see her next month in Louisville, um, actually, by the time this episode comes out, it'll probably be the week I'm seeing her. By the time I see her then, she's probably going to be big enough that, you know, it would have been much more difficult to, to get tickets to that show because of the, you know, Tyler Childers song and performing on the Opry with him and all that good right. stuff. And she is opening for Tyler when we see them, when we see Tyler at United yep. Center. She is the yep. opener. So that's really exciting. But um, you, that is a very good analogy, analysis of the whole situation. And again, I'm, I'm not trying to sound bratty or anything like that. It's just um, at the point of my life, you know, where I am now, that's just not the type yeah. of show I want to go to. Sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. I, I don't like the big, big venues, big crowds, you know, shoulder to shoulder general admission stuff either. I'm a little yeah. bit of a seat snob anyway, so I'm I'm going to fork over the extra money to go. But what that means is I can't go to as many shows. And um, then there's that. Yeah. Right. And, and then and, like, and, sorry, go ahead. I was just saying, in fact, I'm really kind of nervous about this SG Goodman, Goodman show that I'm going to in Louisville because it's general admission and she's blowing up. And I'm I'll guarantee you I'm not going to be able to actually sit down which means i'm mm. not going to last that long because i'm mm. you know older bad back all that good shit i can't yeah. just go stand in general admission for three hours well, that's when but. i wear sensible shoes you know <laughs> yeah. no like trying to look cute and wearing 
boots and heels no. and stuff. I'm really wearing sensible shoes. Okay. <laughs> I'm a woman of that age. Very, very okay. You 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 talked about your age, not me. Welcome to Roots Music Rambler. She's Frank. He's false. And we're rambling on through the stories behind the music we love. Today on the show, we've got Pixie and the Party Boys. This is going to be a fun one because they're a fun group. Uh, bluegrass music. Uh, they're from Utah. I got a lot of questions already uh, about Utah and bluegrass. But real quickly, just to give a shout out and let you know how we came about them. Uh, one of our listeners, uh, uh, Nate Riggs, good buddy of mine up in Columbus, Ohio, uh, was listening to the first couple of uh, episodes of the of the show, and he reached out to me. He said, I am watching this group called Pixie and the Party Boys, great bluegrass group, really talented musicians, and they're playing in a cave. No clue what he meant by that. I, I, I'm, I'm going to have to ask Pixie and the folks what the was hell that the was all caverns? about. Was it the Caverns? The caverns it, in East Tennessee. It might have been. I don't know. Nate, you know, Nate get Nate gets around. He does a lot of outdoor stuff, so very well could have okay. been. But uh, but he just texted me one night and said, "You got to have these folks on the show." So I was like, I looked them up. I started listening. I was like, yeah, let's have them on the show. That'll be fun. So that's fantastic. And of course, uh, we'll also uh, share our weekly pick in the grin, and we share our picks for whose music is making us grin the most this week. Might be new artists, might be old, but they'll sure be good. So you've um, described your own child as a maniacal Swifty. Yes. So uh, have you taken her to see the movie yet? Yes. I'm, and actually, I'm glad you uh, asked that because I not only took her to see. Now, she saw the movie like four times in the theater the first weekend it came out. Oh. So I didn't, need, I didn't need to take her. But um, in Oldham County, Kentucky, which is about 15 minutes up the road, it's the next county over from Jefferson County, which is Louisville. Okay. Um, in LaGrange, Kentucky, there is a drive-in theater. Um, oh, and, um, the, there's a family there that owns a drive-in theater and they did, they got the Taylor Swift concert movie, the heiress tour movie. And, um, so Katie, I said, Hey, Katie, the, the Sourback family drive-in has got the, the, the Taylor Swift movie. You, you want to take a carload of your friends? And she was like, Oh my God, yes, that'd be great. So we bought tickets for the Saturday night. Okay. And then one of the friends had something going on, had a conflict and couldn't make it. So Katie said, can we buy tickets for Friday night instead? And I said, well, we've already got Saturday night tickets, so we'll just go twice. So I took my daughter and a friend on Friday night, and then the other friends couldn't make it on Saturday. So my daughter and I just went together on Saturday. So we saw it at a drive-in theater and the drive-in, this is, it's, um, so the, the family, that that runs this drive-in theater, they decked out everything and really capitalized on this uh, Taylor Swift thing. They had a white uh, leather sofa outside the concession stand, and it had blank space written on it real big, and they had Sharpies so that everybody could sign the couch uh, for the blank space song, obviously. They had, because it's the Eras Tour, Eras Tour, and they had Every Era is one of her albums, right, that right. she re-recorded for her to screw her record company, the old record company, and right. say, F you, it's my money. Um, it's good for her, by the way. Um, but they had these, like, banners set up as kind of like a tribute, so you could, like, pose in front of them for pictures, and they had a little Easter egg Taylor Swift uh, artwork that if you found it, you could turn it into the concession stand and get prize pack. They, they did a fantastic job of of milking this thing for all it was worth. Um, yeah. 
But yeah, we went. And to be honest with you, I'm not a Taylor. I mean, I listen to a lot of Taylor Swift music because I, Katie can't drive yet. So I have to drive her around. And when we're in the car, she (laughs) rules the radio. Of course. Um, But I've heard all the songs. I think Taylor Swift is a fantastic songwriter and a fantastic performer. I'd never really watched her though. And so seeing this concert, three hours worth of her on stage, and you can tell that it's her singing, like she's taking breaths in between lines and stuff. Like you can tell it's not, it's not a, it's not a tape job or anything like that. I was blown away. It was really good. Really. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I saw, um, I don't know. My mom watches like uh, Inside Edition, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of real news, but it's not really. <laughs> so there was a story on about um, moviegoers who were upset that so many, like, especially the younger fans at the Taylor Swift movie are getting up and like dancing, like as oh, if yeah. they were at a concert. Um, but they were doing that in the movie theater and some people were upset by it. And I can see both sides, you know, like, hey, you're in a movie theater. It's not the concert. Um, but then, you know, I listened to, to both sides of the argument on the news show. And, you know, the argument for getting up and dancing is like, it's a concert movie, you know. Yeah. Um, and maybe for a lot of fans, that's the closest that they can get to seeing her concert. Yep. Yep. And the the gentleman that was being interviewed said you know look if you don't want to deal with that with you know teenage girls let's say who are getting up and dancing in the middle of the movie then wait for it to get to the streaming services and watch it in the comfort of your own home and when he said that i'm like you know what i agree you know like yes i i can dig that it is a concert movie so and especially someone like taylor swift who is so at the forefront and everybody knows who she is. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, I think it's sort of, it, it, it's expected. Well, and I'll, I'll add this to it. Taylor nation, all those little girls that are going to get up and dance at the movie theater. It's a force in and of itself. And you're not going to question it. Um, <laughs> you're not going to beat it. No, you're not. They're not going to sit down and watch in the movie theater. They're going to get up and they're going to form a semicircle right under the screen and they're going to dance and they're going to trade their bracelets and they're going to scream shit out during the show as if they were at the concert. And you old fogies just need to fucking sit in the back and shut up because it's not, you're not going to change that. And get, and by the way, the movie is for that. And it just, it just, just what Frank just said. The tickets to see Taylor Swift, first of all, everything sold out within seconds. Right. Every ticket was three, four, five hundred dollars. Ninety-nine percent of the little girls out there who love Taylor Swift are not ever going to be able to see her in concert. That's what the movie was for. So yeah. I would absolutely not only second the mo- the notion that you need to shut up and wait until it comes out and you can watch it at home, but you need to sh- shut your pie hole. It's <laughs> not for you. That experience is not for you. Yeah. So if you have a problem with it, screw off. At the drive-in theater, every row of cars, there were gaggles of girls out in between the cars dancing and screaming and all kinds of stuff. And that's, well, when I you said, said, let them have it. When you said that you took Katie to see it at the drive-in, I was thinking, oh my goodness, how perfect, right? And you have, they, they would have more space then to yep. get out and dance and yep. revel, you know? I will tell you this, though, my first experience at a drive-in in a long time, 
Um, the daytime running lights bullshit. Uh, we, we, car, car manufacturers need to figure that shit out and make it easier to turn them all the way off. Oh, that, gosh. that became a problem. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I had a, I had a car once, I think it was a Volkswagen. It was years ago and it happened to me. I was going through a, uh, there's a cavern here in Louisville underneath the, uh, the zoo and they do Christmas lights in the cavern. Oh Yeah. And you drive through, but you have to turn your lights off so that everybody can experience it the way it should be in this you know, cavern with lights. And I had a Volkswagen Jetta, and there was no way to turn the daytime running lights off, at least none that I could easily find. Figure I had to like out, look yeah. at the manual and everything, but I couldn't do anything about it. So I was very embarrassed and apologetic that night. But, but yeah, the daytime running lights thing is an issue, especially if you're going to go to a drive-in. But first world problems. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> way more than first world problems. Oh, anyway. Um, okay. Uh, w- w- while we're quickly uh, talking about movies, and we'll talk about this a little bit more because I haven't seen this movie yet, but I just want to make sure everybody out there knows uh, that the... Um, um, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon? Yeah, Killers of the Flower Moon, uh, the new Scorsese film. Uh, so Sturgill Simpson is in it. Uh, uh, Jason Isbell's in it and I think has a, a pretty decent size part. Yeah. And Pete Yorn is in it and Jack White is in it as well. So it's like this, like crazy, you know, sort of Americana esque lineup of people, uh, of people that we talk about on this show or in this film. So I can't wait to go see it. I can't wait to see it too. In fact, you know, I talked before about my nerd Facebook music groups and, um, well, it's been a while now, but there was a lot of chatter about, uh, Jason Isbell being in the movie and Sturgill. And uh, that prompted me to download the audiobook because I'd never read it. It's based on the book. Okay. Yeah. And um, I could not get into the audiobook though. And it's not any fault of the author or the narrator. It just, I think it's one of those things you just have to read it. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I know the premise of the story, but I don't know a lot of the details and I'm fine with that. And um, I would, I've never seen Jason Isbell in that kind of um, light before or Mm -mm. Sturgill. Um, So, and then I didn't realize Pete Yorn and Jack White are in it. And going back to the nineties, early two thousands, I loved Pete Yorn. So this now it's like super exciting and I really am looking forward to going to see it, but uh, sadly I'll probably have to go by myself. Yeah. It's a long movie. Yeah. Three Tom and a half hours. It. Yeah. Tom is the poster child of adult ADD and um, he <laughs> cannot sit for that long. Well, I, um, I'm going to download. There's a, there's a great app out there, by the way, for those of you get ready to write this down. You may not need to, cause you can remember it. Um, I am not able to sit through a three and a half hour movie either. Not because of adult ADD, but because I drink large sodas and I have to pee. Um, and so Fortunately, there is an app out there that I learned about from my friend Jay a long time ago called the Run P app. And in the Run P app, you put in the time the movie starts, and it will tell you when there's a two or three minute spell where the movie just kind of drags and you don't need to pay attention to it. So you can run P. So I'm going to download Stop the Run it. P app and uh, be able to get through that one. There um, really is an app for everything, isn't there? There is. There is. Wow. That, one's, that one's been around a while. That one's that one's probably about ten years old. So, so you put in, like, 
the name of the movie or you, the, 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 the database is in there for all the current movies that are in theaters, okay. apparently. And you say, I'm watching this movie and you, I think you probably tell it when the start time is, or you hit a button when it starts or whatever. And then it, you, it, it'll tell you at the one hour and 16 minutes, you've got three minutes where nothing really happens. When you get back, you tell the app when you're leaving to go pee. And when you get back, it summarizes what you missed. So. Well, we're not supposed to have our phones on in the movie theater. Who doesn't have their phone on in the movie theater? You're not supposed to talk into it, but I sit in the back row so nobody could call me out on it. But that's just me. Now, I think uh, another person I've mentioned on the show for, I do want to make sure that we reinforce Tom Segura's notion. Uh, If you bring a baby into a movie theater, you're a piece of shit. So there you go. Yeah, and I mean, I can honestly say I've never had that experience, so I don't understand why anyone would want to bring a baby in a movie theater. Like, you go to a movie to kind of escape, right? Yeah, well. I I wouldn't want to bring a baby. Well, I would recommend, I can't remember which special is, Tom Segura has a great bit about uh, bringing a baby into the movie theater. Uh, It's on Netflix, you can go find that. Um, also just real quickly, the soundtrack to killers of the flower moon, uh, is probably the last project that Robbie Robertson worked on. He did the score, uh, to the film, of course, uh, you know, the founder of the band, um, which was Martin Scorsese's first big, I think Oscar winning film was, uh, the last waltz, which was a concert film for their last performance. Okay. So they've been friends for a long time. He passed away recently. So that was probably his last project. And there is one song on the soundtrack. It's called still standing and it's Robbie Robertson's. The only song that has vocals, uh, from him, uh, on the thing I've listened to it. It's pretty good. He's got it. Yeah. I mean, he never had a great singing voice. He's got kind of a gravelly rough For kind sure. of voice, but it's a, it's a really good song and he's, he was incredibly talented. So rest in peace, but, uh, worth checking the soundtrack out for sure. Yeah. So. Agreed. All right. Uh, we are, uh, we've reached the point, uh, in the, uh, in the show where I'm out of uh, bourbon. So uh, we're Again? going to, we're going to take a quick break, uh, for a refill, Uh, Take a moment, if you will, to listen to more uh, from the awesome sponsors that help make the show happen. Uh, We talk about this every week. We we are one of our uh, uh, one of our our companies that sponsors the show through our affiliate relationship with them is Musk Ox. This is a Musk Ox flannel right here. They are super soft premium flannels. I have two. Uh, I'm going to order more because they not only fit me, uh, but they are. buttery soft and built like a tank tank. just like me and uh, they are fantastic uh if you go to gomuskox.com slash rambler and then use the code rambler you get uh a discount on your purchase and then ten dollars of every one hundred dollar spent at gomuskox.com goes to support uh, uh animal conservation uh wildlife conservation they they donate to the alaska wildlife Conservation Center to save the muskoxes, which is what those things are. If you're on the, if you're on the YouTube show and you can see this, there you are. If you're listening um, on the audio podcast, uh, just imagine uh, a cross between a goat and a buffalo, and you got yourself a muskox, and uh, and they support wildlife conservation. So go muskox.com slash rambler 
and then use the code Rambler. Get a discount. Get your great flannels. They are fan-fucking-tastic. So go get one. This is Rich Music Rambler. Hey, gang, I was not a flannel guy until I found uh, Muskox flannels. Now, I don't want to wear anything else. Well, I mean, pants, you know, but you know what I mean. Anyway, so Muskox is a premium flannel shirt that comes in various colors and styles, but also all season or heavy. So they have different weights and thicknesses. They even have sizes that fit big boys like me. Now, uh, Frank, I hear the ladies like the flannel look. Is that accurate? Yeah, there we go. So uh, one Muskox Flannels customer actually said they are buttery soft, but built like a tank. I resemble that remark, especially when I'm wearing my Muskox Flannels. They also, by the way, give $10 of every $100 order to support wildlife conservation. So you're doing some good for the earth and the animals on it with every purchase. Visit GoMuskox.com slash Rambler. Browse the collection and get you some buttery soft, built like a tank premium flannels. Make sure you use the code Rambler, all caps, and get the discount on your order. That's GoMuskox.com slash Rambler. Use the code Rambler. Buttery soft, yo. That might be my new hashtag. I got to play it long enough for people to recognize it. I like yeah. Detroit. That's a good choice. <laughs> Can't seem to face up to the fat. Yeah. <laughs> that, uh, that is Psycho Killer. Yes. Cover. Uh, amazing cover, by the way. That is not the Talking Heads. That is Pixie and the Party Grass Boys and uh, Ben Weiss from the band. He's uh, vocals, does vocals, and also plays mandolin in the band, joins us. Ben, uh, thank you for joining us. And the new album is pretty amazing. We're going to get into talking about that uh, here in just a minute. But I understand uh, you guys are packing the van right now aren't you <laughs> yeah well we're packing the packing the stuff to pack in the van we're loading up the van tomorrow morning and hitting the road very good and you guys are based in uh utah salt lake city i would assume yeah. salt lake city utah and you're heading to where are you headed to we're headed to the pacific northwest and we start in portland and then awesome. uh on thursday night we play in bend friday night we play in trout lake and saturday night we play in centralia Oh, wow, that's a that's that's good stuff. And then are you back home or do you keep going yep. somewhere else? And then we be, and then we jet back home um and we get some time to decompress after a long summer of uh many shows in faraway lands. Yeah. Such so, as Kansas. Oh nice. <laughs> well, I have to ask this question because uh my friend Nate Riggs um actually recommended you guys we had just started the podcast we were maybe two episodes in and i'm sitting here one night and he texts me and says i'm listening to pixie and the party grass boys in a cave you gotta have them on the show and i i didn't even ask i was where where were you playing in a cave it's funny we've actually played in two caves oh, <laughs> Uh-oh. wow claim to fame okay i know it's been great and we played on a boat 
We played on two boats. We played on a boat on a river, and we played on a boat in the ocean. Okay. Um, but the cave show, it was we played the Shawnee Cave um, okay. Amphitheater. Uh, All right. For they had a little festival, and then we played Cave Fest, the Caverns in um, Tennessee, and that was just. When did you get the text? Uh, it was a couple of weeks ago, so I'm I'm guessing it was Tennessee. Yeah, Tennessee yeah, would have been yeah in the uh, for Cave Fest. Yeah. That was oh, cool. and that was like. That was a cave. We were deep <laughs> in that cave. We were like in the back of a cave with, and there were, oh, it smelled like a cave, like uh-huh. you were in a cave. It was pretty wild. I would think the acoustics there have got to be crazy. They're pretty, they're pretty live, yeah. um, you know, and, and, and big. So uh, <laughs> it worked. A lot of the bands in there actually were just gathered around a condenser mic, and that sounded really, really nice. Oh, wow. Um, and I then our sound is a little bit bigger. Um, we all, we all run, um, through the, through the, through the PA and we have a stomp box, um, mm. a little bong box that our bassist steps on to, to give like a bass drum. Yeah. Um, so we, we make a pretty big sound and for us it was pretty, you know, it was pretty washy, but I was, I was very surprised at how good it sounded. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, at Caverns, uh, it's only been a few years since shows started there, right? I think, um, I remember getting like press releases and stuff that um and i, I want to say it's within maybe like the last five years or something so um maybe i'm wrong i don't know but i'd love to see a show there it just sounds so fun yeah. and yeah. um shawnee the shawnee cave was that in southern illinois yep okay mm-hmm. yep i remember hearing about that festival um i'm in chicago so I'm like, oh. oh, yeah, it's only six hours away. It's the same state. It's just it takes a long time to get to. <laughs> oh, I feel you out here. I mean, you know, we when we leave Salt Lake to go to any other city that has, um, you know, to play a gig, if we go to Boise or Denver or Reno or even Vegas, it's like at least, you know, five hours in the car yeah. and often as many as eight. Tomorrow is going to be like, I think it's like 10 and a half. Mm. But much better scenery. It is much better scenery than I'm going to get in Illinois. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, there's, okay. there's, there's not very many states that are uglier than Illinois driving across. Oh, no well, I can name a couple. There's a couple. But we don't want to yeah. alienate any friends. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Ben, your, your materials, your website and whatnot. Um, uh, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about this just because I think it's hysterical, okay. but, uh, I think, uh, in your, your website calls you the Fleetwood Mac of bluegrass. So I want to know, are, are you the, are you Pickens X, uh, who is, uh, being tortured by make, having her uh, play uh, your, her music? No, he's like no. Uh, it's not. It's not. It's not like that. With it's not, the Fleetwood Mac thing is not like that. Okay. All right. So it's just a musical reference uh, then. Yeah, the musical <laughs> reference for sure. Okay. And, um, I mean, uh, and Pixie and and Stevie Nicks both have like you know a magical quality about them, and like you know, kind of witches. And I mean that like you know. <laughs> In a good way. In a good way. I love it. So uh, the other the other thing, I, and and I guess this that leads into it a little bit. But the the you guys are incredibly talented musicians. But the vibe that I get from your interviews and your site, and even you know this this album that we're going to talk about, the vibe I get from you guys is kind of silliness. And I, I take it that's by design. Is that right? I would say so. Um, yeah, we 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 don't take 
ourselves very seriously, but we do take the music very seriously. You know, we're very serious musicians, um, but we, um, we all had worked as musicians for so long by the time that we came together as a band, you know, all of us and all of us were kind of coming from like failed projects that we had taken very seriously mm. and like, or we were coming from, you know, just like playing weddings and bars and, you know, we just all wanted to do something fun um, that we still, but we also still wanted to like be musically stimulated. You know, we wanted to be challenged and we wanted to challenge each other and ourselves through our musical, you know, exploration. And, and, um, and we all wanted a project to do that, to just express ourselves, have a good time. Um, so yeah, we started, it was very silly. Like that's a, this, this album that we just released is all covers. And when we started the band, we were just playing covers because we all knew the same covers. And we were just like, yeah, let's just, let's just, we guys want to play a gig on Thursday night at this bar. And we're just, we'll just play for like three hours and we'll play Katy Perry and Stevie Wonder and whatever the hell we want. And, you know, have a good time, make some money and have a few drinks and have a laugh and just enjoy ourselves. And that's like where it all started. And then over the, over the years, we have tipped the scale with original music versus covers because we're always learning covers, you know, covers are fun. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Um, but we've all, we all, we all write songs. And so af over the years, we, um, we've, we've added a lot more original music to the, to the, to the repertoire and our upcoming album is all original songs. Um, and we're kind of, Oh, we're kind of taking it seriously. <laughs> well, no, no party vibe there. <laughs> um, no, there are some party vibes. There's some party songs on there for sure. Um, well, there's but, nothing wrong with that. You gotta, you gotta, especially with the, with your original stuff, I think you gotta have a little bit of an edge of seriousness to it. So people will take you seriously. So for sure. Yeah. That's good. All right. Let's real quickly, let's go through, uh, you got, uh, uh Katie, uh, Racine, I think is, oh, is Katia. Katia. Oh, I thought, I thought, yeah. I'm sorry. I had, I had Katie down. I guess I was wrong. So Katia Racine, uh, uh, that she's Pixie, right? She's the vocalist. She's Pixie. Yeah. Uh, vocals and ukulele and percussion. Very good. Uh, Amanda Grapes, uh, plays Amanda fiddle. Grapes. Yep. She sure does. And then you, you play the mandolin and, and provide vocals as well. And, yeah. uh, uh, Andrew Nielsen, am I saying that one and right? Nelson. Nelson. All right. Guitars. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and vocals, and then Zach Downs bass. Is that correct? Zach Downs on the bass, and the, and he puts the four on the floor these days when we're playing live. So no nice. banjo, no banjo. But I am an aspiring banjo player. I've okay. been I see banjo. I've been taking very seriously. <laughs> Got to take something <laughs> serious. So I've been practicing a lot of banjo, and I think in the future I would love to play banjo. On Me too. Song. <laughs> I, I have no desire to play the banjo, but if you put it on its side and give me a couple drumsticks, I can beat on that thing. Be, All right. <laughs> I can do that. Um, so take us, so you, you mentioned that you, you guys had kind of, you know, branched off from previous projects. I'm really curious, like, how did you guys all know each other? How did you come together? Tell us kind of that story in a little bit more detail of how, you know, this whole group came to be. Um, well, we all kind of met in Salt Lake City um, by a combination of music and skiing. Um, we all, all of us, the, the one thing we all had in common is we all liked to ski and we all skied at Brighton in Salt Lake City uh, in Big Cottonwood Canyon. And um, so that's kind of how we were all associated with each other. And um, I, me, Zach and Andrew all grew up in Salt Lake City. 
and we've known each other forever uh, since like high school. And um, we've all just known each other. We've all worked together in various projects on the Salt Lake music scene. Um, and uh, I met Katia through one of my ski buddies. He, he, he was roommates with her and was just like, dude, you got to hear my, my roommate sing. And I met her and we started playing music together and I was just like, holy shit, <laughs> your roommate can sing really well. Uh, so we started playing music together and both of us were like, cause I was like learning how to sing and she was just learn. She was getting serious about guitar and had always, always been serious about guitar, but it was like, we were like, I was better at guitar and she was better at singing. We both just kind of like came together to like complete the equation and, and, and write some songs and then um, she let it let let it slip that she used to like sing covers in a wedding band or something of the sort. Nice. I can't even remember why she knew all these covers. And I was like, oh, shit, do you know Dark Horse by Katy Perry? And she was like, yeah. And we just played <laughs> it. And I was like, sick. And then um, and then one day uh, <clears throat> the house I was living in, we were all moving out of. And um, the guys had lived in that house for like uh you know half a decade or more and we'd thrown a bunch of parties there with a bunch of like the the ski homies and all our friends so we decided to throw one more party before everybody was like moving out of the house and like we were giving up the lease so we got a keg which is illegal in utah sorry really yeah you can't have a keg you have to go to wyoming to get a keg wow and fireworks and high point beer <laughs> so we got a keg and we had a kegger and I just, I was like, I was like, you guys, like we have a band, like I know, like we all know the same songs. So <laughs> let's, let's just, let's just play at this party and have a good time. And we just did that. And it was so much fun. And then we started booking gigs and once things caught traction, we started, you know, actually taking it a little seriously. Oh, there's a, the dangerous thing to do, but sometimes it's a good idea. Um, and we st and we were kind of like experimenting with sound. We had a really, really um, embarrassing and not to be mentioned after this foot percussion stage where we had like a bass drum and a hi hat that were being played by various band members, and it was it was a really big sloppy mess and. <laughs> anyways and we so we were just like man we need a fiddle like we need a fiddle and katia one day was like we just need we need a fiddle and she was like i want to i want someone who sings soprano um who i can harmonize with and then enter amanda grapes mm -hmm. who was friends with um another one of my picking buddies and we were hanging out playing music and uh she joined us and just like played fiddle and sang soprano. And I was just like, holy shit. And I like <laughs> took a video of her singing um, Long Hot Summer Day by John Hartford and sent it to Pixie. And I was like, look what I found. And we <laughs> kind of like lured her into the band. <laughs> we just like, it would invite her to play gigs. And it was so, it was so funny. It was like, you know, we were like kind of shy about it. We were like, is she in the band? Does she like us? Like, is she having, is she having fun? I don't want to seem too forward. Yeah. And Amanda <laughs> is like, a bluegrass fiddler. Like she grew up in Kentucky. She's been going to Winfield. And a girl. Forever. Oh yeah, dude. She like, she, and she, everything I learned, I know about bluegrass. I've learned from Amanda Graves. Like since then, that's like where I was like, holy shit. Cause we were, we were all, um, we were all jazz musicians primarily. And we were oh, doing, interesting. what we were doing was more along the lines of like, we were kind of like shooting for gypsy jazz, but not quite doing exactly that. Being a little bit more, funky with it 
anyway, like I said, we were just having fun. We were just doing whatever we wanted. And then when Amanda entered the band, we were like, oh, okay, now we can actually start shooting that bluegrass. And we started doing more of a bluegrass thing. And I, I, that was around the time I fell in love with bluegrass. I was like, oh my goodness, this is the most fun to play. Goodness. Because Partygrass was the first band I ever played in that didn't have drums. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I think that's probably true for Andrew and Zach too. Interesting. All right. I want to dive deeper into this whole transition to bluegrass, but we need to step out before we do that. We are, uh, we're talking uh, with Ben from uh, Pixie and the party grass boys. uh, And, uh, and this is, this is just a fascinating conversation and I'm going to, we're going to, I think Amanda is featured on this one. I'm going to go to break with a a little spin on a country song that uh, is decidedly different. And I'll let you listen to enough of it to know. Amanda, rising up your bow, play your fiddle hard. It's hell's broke loose in Utah, and the devil <laughs> deals the cards. If you win, you get this shiny fiddle made of gold. If you lose, the devil gets your Hey, Ramblers, I have experienced a revolution in sound in my house, and you can too. The revolution is driven by Sonos. The Sonos wireless music system lets you play any song in any room, control it all with the Sonos app on your phone or tablet. Sonos has all the connections to give you millions of songs and stations, including connecting to your iTunes, your Spotify, Pandora, and more. Get a wireless Sonos player and hear the sound quality difference. Then get one for all the rooms in your house where you listen, but might be out of reach of the stereo or Bluetooth speaker you normally use. So I've got one in my bedroom and bathroom for when I get ready in the morning. I've got one in the kitchen and living room for when I'm hanging out with friends. And then down here in the office den for when I'm working or setting up for another episode of the show, I happen to like the Sonos Move, which is one of the speaker models. I can put it out on my patio for cookouts. It's a weather-resistant design, has an 11-hour battery life, so I don't need to plug it in out there when I have people over for cookouts or tailgates or whatever. And I can play music on all or just a few of the speakers, so I never lose my jams going from room to room. Try the move and hear the difference, then hook up all the rooms in your house for an excellent listening experience while you move around cleaning or dancing or whatever you do in the privacy of your own home. Listen to Roots Music Rambler on it, for God's sakes. It makes me sound even more handsome. Go to rootsmusic.link slash sonos, S-O-N-O-S, rootsmusic.link slash Sonos. That'll take you right to the Sonos Move speaker page to purchase. I highly recommend it. And you'll love how much better your music and podcasts sound. Go to rootsmusic.link slash Sonos. That's rootsmusic.link slash Sonos.
Yeah. You're hearing what you think you're hearing. You're hearing the bluegrass version of Dark Horse by Katy Perry. Maybe that'll make me a Katy Perry fan. I don't know. Never really liked her music. That's 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 just rocking, man. That's better than her version. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, we're here with Ben Wise from Pixie and the Party Grass Boys. Okay, we I I, I want to talk about the album later, but you've got to tell us how in the hell did you guys come up with Dark Horse to play? You've already mentioned it, but uh, well, how, where did that come from? So it came from the fact that that beat in Dark Horse is sick. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's so lazy behind the beat and spacious and like it's dark it's like it's so fitting for what that Mm -hmm. tune is and then the chorus is just like a classic pop banger it's like a really well balanced tune and we we played that as a as a jazz trio with uh with zach and andrew and i've always just thought it was a really cool tune and then that was the first pop tune that i asked katia pixie if she knew how to sing and it's always just been like kind of like a really funny song to play. Um, and we put it on the album because one day we were at a bar that we had just finished playing at and they put on the house music and it was just like a generic Spotify playlist um, of, of bluegrass covers. And there was a cover of dark horse on there that was just like, um, uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know a nice way to say it. it was no way not, not. We, It was like, it was just, it was campy in a bad mm. way. Okay. It was just like banjo. Cause it's like, they took that beat. The only thing that's cool about Dark Horse is the beat and the yep. groove. And they took that and they just turned it into like, boom, chunk, boom, chunk, boom, chunk, boom, Ugh. chunk, bluegrass, 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 bluegrass. And I was just like, this is like, I'm like, this is not like a good, like, Dark Horse isn't a good song. And when you break it down, it's not like a good song. <laughs> it's it's the production that makes the pop tune a pop tune. So, And they just abandoned all the best parts and did all the worst parts. And we were just like, no, no. You're <laughs> like, hold be- my beer. <laughs> yeah. There, there are some songs, no offense, uh, Francesca, there are some songs that the banjo is not designed for. And that probably is one of them. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. <laughs> All right, so we were talking about this uh, transition to bluegrass from jazz. You mentioned Amanda is from Kentucky. There we go. I'm I'm so I'm in Jason. Louisville. I'm a Kentucky guy. So uh, Amanda is now my new favorite member. No offense. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, no, none so taken. She, she brings in the bluegrass influence, uh, and just tell me how that sort of migrated through jazz musicians, and what's that transition like? Because I would imagine. Those two genres, while there's a lot of similarities in a lot of ways, uh, I would think they're pretty different. Well, that's the beautiful thing about it is they are pretty different, but in a in some really fundamental ways, they're very they're almost exactly the same. Hmm. Like the spirit of jazz and bluegrass is just is improvisation. Yep, and the way that you approach it in jazz and bluegrass is, is just a little different. And then that little difference is what builds the genre as a whole. You know, it's like, because in bluegrass, you take these small breaks over short sections, you know, at the most, you just do the form once and then you go to the next guy. Whereas in jazz, when you take an improvisational time, 
you take it until you're done, and then you pass it to the next guy. So it's like a much longer form improvisation, which makes for like a lush harmonic landscape, and bluegrass is a bit more driving and like sharp. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the tunes are shorter, and you know, then I mean, you know, so from my perspective as a dude who's just playing guitar, it's just like I just have to learn how to do it a little differently, and then it's actually just kind of the same thing. Hmm. Interesting. Never thought of it that way. Me neither. So, all right. So Amanda brings the bluegrass influence. And I was going to ask this question without, you know, knowing that Amanda was from Kentucky. I, when I think of bluegrass, I certainly don't think of Utah. Is it big there at all? Or is this just really, she brought uh, it with her? Uh, no, it's, I mean, there's a, there's, there's definitely a scene here in a community. It's just a little bit more spread out. I mean, um, there's a lot of, uh, and the, and the Utah bluegrass scene is also pretty contained. We have a couple outliers, um, notably Jake Workman is like, you know, he grew up here in, in Sandy, Utah. And so, you know, it's like we always have people who grow up who are pickers and then most of them just leave and go somewhere else. So there's not like a scene here in Utah per se. Um, but that's one thing Amanda brought is like not only the bluegrass sound, but also like the, 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 the community nature of, of bluegrass. Yeah. Which is one thing that I really, really was drawn to is the fact, you know, it's just like how much actual picking you do in in bluegrass communities. Because we when Amanda joined the band, we got um, we got, a, you know, we kind of got our sound dialed together into what it is today. And um, and then we started playing festivals and then bluegrass festivals are like the best thing <laughs> because everybody there is a musician and it's just like, you just carry your instrument around and no matter, you run into somebody who's like, what kind of guitar you got? And they're like, Oh, you want to see it? And then before you know it, you've been, it's 40 minutes later and you've just been playing your favorite songs <laughs> with your new best friend. And that's like, that's, that's, that's the stuff right there. That's the special sauce. Of I love the way you describe that. It's so yeah. true. Yeah, it is. Yeah, there's there's something in it, and I've I've told this story. The the audience is probably getting bored of me telling this, but my <laughs> earliest memories of music that sort of formulated what I you know enjoy listening to today were Friday nights when I was a kid. My parents would take me to a, a friend's house, and they would have basically a picking and grinning session. Um, mm -hmm. You know, with you know five or six you know musicians would bring. They would all come over and bring their guitars and their banjos and their fiddles and their mandolins, and they would just play. And so the kids would run around and I would kind of walk through the living room, but I was always listening to those sessions. And it was very, you're right. It's very much a community and you're just there with people who it doesn't really matter if you know them or not. If you've got an instrument, you're going to be like, well, what do you play? What do you know? Let's play something. And that just happens. It's really, really neat. Organic. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like um, sessions in the pubs in Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> I actually just went to Ireland this summer because I have been getting, I just, I went on a, a, an Irish music tangent and we had some time off and I wanted, I was, uh, I went to Europe and went to, yeah, I spent a week in Ireland just going to pubs and like, oh, yeah, yeah, I just walk in with a mandolin and they're yes. just like, you know, they kind of side, you know, it's like, I think generally you get side-eyed a little bit if you just show up and you're just some guy and you pick out, pick out like your instrument, but then depends on where you go. As soon as you pick a tune and you, and, the, and you don't get it in the way, they're just like, all right, whatever. <laughs> Oh, that's so great. If you ever feel the need, to, if you go on another Irish music tangent and you're free in January, there's a great music festival in Dublin every year called Tradfest. So um, I've been a couple of times. I would highly recommend it. <laughs> yeah, that sounds cool. <laughs> January is probably not a bad time of year to get out of Utah, too, I would think. 
Well, you know, it actually, that, uh, that kind of thinking has actually stood on its head a little bit in Utah because everybody here, well, not everybody, but all everybody in the band skis. Uh, so winter is actually like super happy fun times. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Um, so did, did I read this correctly? And, and again, this goes back to, you know, what you some of you were doing before the band came together, but I think I read somewhere that you did the music for an adaptation of the Nutcracker. Is that right? We sure did. Oh, and I'm glad you mentioned it because there is a holiday album um, being released by Americana Vibes, our record label, um, with also the Sweet Lilies and the infamous String Dusters and Travis Book and Andy Hall, a bunch of bunch of really great artists, and. Um, they're releasing a holiday album, and two. Uh, we think we have two or maybe three or four tunes from the Nutcracker on there because some of them oh, are kind of cool. short. Nice. Um, yeah. So that all started because a friend of mine uh, is a ballerina, um, and she started kind of like a community ballet company, the Municipal Ballet Company, and they were they were kind of punk rock like their their whole thing was like municipal ballet like ballet like as a service for the community and they would perform ballet in places where you wouldn't expect to see it and also they would kept thinking everything was very accessible and cheap if not free um and they would do it to they would do stuff to live bands um so they would just connect to lo with local bands and and choreograph some ballet to their songs and then hmm. perform that like on the street or in an alley or at a park wherever they could find a venue. And Sarah had found this mansion, this old historic mansion, the McCune mansion. And it had a stained glass um, piece of art that was like this girl dressed in green. And it made her think of like the sugar plum fairy, but the absinthe fairy. <laughs> so it started the gears turning in her head and she was just like, Oh, and they basically like boozed up the nuts, the nutcracker. <laughs> and, <clears throat> And gave it a twenties vibe, flapper dresses, and like you know, um, and that's my kind of nutcracker. Yeah, it was yeah, super cool. Um, so she wanted to put it together, and we ended up doing this, and it was to this day one of the coolest things I've ever done. Is so we did the nutcracker, and it was set in the mansion, and it was set in the twenties, and it was very small and intimate, and it was all the scenes took place in different rooms throughout the mansion. Cool. And the audience would come. And then late in the later years, we, we casted a butler who would like welcome everybody and guide them from room to room. And we would like minstrel them through it. And we took, so we took the nutcracker and squished it. We cut out a lot of material to make it a more manageable. Because we threw this together in fucking, man, I think we threw it together in like four months. Wow. Yeah, that is so wild. creative. And what an artistic, um, like a cultural or artistic evening or night out day out for the community right hell yeah um, what a unique experience for the people in the area to get to have that's awesome i would have been yeah. down for sure absolutely <laughs> so yeah we're we're hoping to release that in in its entirety pretty soon you can actually go see it on youtube because during covid um during covid we recorded it and they filmed it and then nice. put it online so it's called the river of rosewater Okay. okay. And the municipal ballet company. Well, we will make sure just, we do that. I'm pretty sure you can just go watch it. For yeah, that'll have to be in the show notes. Yep, we'll put that in the show notes for sure. All oh, right. Yeah. Uh, 
We are. Uh, we, I want to get into this uh, album. We've been playing some songs from the album. I want to get into that, but we need to take another break. Uh, it's Pixie and the Party Grass Boys. The new album is called The Chicken Coop Volume 1. Uh, and we'll make sure there's plenty of links to all this so that you can stream it on the Spotify's or see stuff on YouTube and all that good stuff. Uh, ben uh, Weiss is here with us from Pixie and the Party Boys. And when we come, uh, Party, uh, Party Grass Boys, rather. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about the album. This one is all covers, but he mentioned earlier they've got a newer, a new album coming out that's not. So we'll <clears> ask <throat> about both of those. But uh, this song is one of those songs from my high school days that I just adore. And I don't know why it's on this album, but here we go. <laughs> That's why you liked it in high school. This one builds. Hang in there. Love the music. The mandolin is gorgeous. That's me. I know. <laughs> now you get it. Oh, that that beat <laughs> is so perfect for the fiddle. Obviously, a very different version of Take On Me by Aha. This one's by Pixie and the Party Grass Boys and uh, Ben uh, Weiss from the group who was playing the mandolin there, uh, I believe, joins us. Um, so, Ben, this new album, uh, The Chicken Coop Volume 1, uh, it came out this year, 2023, so it's relatively new. It's all covers. We've been playing them here on the show, and I'll go through the list of, of other songs in a minute, but I want to I want to ask you, what was was there a strategic intention on using all covers? And I'm asking that for a reason because I've got a story to tell you after, but I want to ask the question first. Um. Yeah. Well, you know, in this day and age in the music world, uh. Most people are listening to music either live or they're streaming it. And all the streaming services are governed by algorithms. Yes. You know? And we're just kind of trying to like nudge nudge that. I feel like our <laughs> our luck as as like being because you know, all the bluegrass playlists we listen to are like bluegrass covers and stuff, and it's just like I've noticed a lot of bluegrass bands that I love and admire, their most played song on Spotify is the cover that they do. Yep. So, um, and also it's kind of, it kind of felt um, appropriate as I was talking about earlier, like with the origins of the band, it's like we started out just playing covers. So we have a really deep bag of covers and we were just thinking about just doing a cover album. So we were like, all right, why not? Okay. Well, so here's my story that goes along with that. And it actually aligns with kind of your strategy there. Although this happened long before algorithms ruled what we listened to. Um, I got away from bluegrass country, Americana, outlaw country type music for a while after 
high school. I was a country music disc jockey in, in high school. And, and, and even though I was a hairband guy, uh, fan, not, not member, uh, in the late eighties, I worked at a country music radio station. And so I got kind of sick of country music really quick, but it was country radio. It wasn't Americana outlaw stuff, but I got away from it for about probably 10 years or so. And the way that I got back into bluegrass, newgrass, et cetera, was a buddy of mine came to my house one night and said, you've got to hear this. And he pulls out his, you know, probably brick size MP3 player back then. <laughs> um, and he plays this song. He plugs it into my stereo and plays the song. And it was the Gord's cover of Gin and Juice. And I <laughs> yeah. pissed myself laughing. I thought it was hysterical and but I also thought the musicianship was incredible. And I played that song for everyone who would let me for the next five years. Um, and that got me back into I started listening to the gourds, and then I was like, oh wait, there's this Hasty Dixie that covers all of ACDC songs. And so I got back into this music as an adult because of covers, which is exactly what you're saying. The Ooh. algorithms now are 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 bringing those familiar songs to the surface for people who are listening to bluegrass music. And I think it's also bringing them to the the surface for people who are not necessarily looking for bluegrass music, but they find a version of a song they like, and that introduces them to the genre. So it's expanding the footprint of the entire genre, I believe. Exactly. And I mean, this is something that I've experienced as a musician. I think the whole time that I've been, you know, in like uh, on, in the, in the, entertainment industry like when you're playing music in a bar or a venue and nobody there knows who you are um if you play a song that they will recognize then their ears perk up and right. they're like oh i know this and then they listen and then they make and then they decide whether or not they like you whereas before they didn't even have an opinion yep and and it, and it gives an inroad to people to just like pay attention to something they might not normally because not everybody are music buffs, you know, not everybody's like going to see the band. Some people are just going out or some yeah. people were just dragged there by their friends or whatever. <laughs> so, you know, and for, for a lot of people, you know, it's like, it's like you said, it's like you ended up getting back into like this huge, deep world of music that just had existed in a blind spot that you didn't notice until yeah. you heard gin and juice. <laughs> and that is such a banger. And that, there's something magical about that. Oh well, man, that, I, I, that is a jam. I, I'll tell you what's even jam. more magical. And I, this is the, it, Jen and Juice is the only song that I will do karaoke. Um, and I always <laughs> ask the DJ to let me do the first verse bluegrass style acapella. And then I'll cue them to go into the Snoop Dogg version. And you <laughs> talk about video. blowing the, I, I'm not a musician. I'm not even a singer, but I've blown the roof off a couple joints doing that. <laughs> We need one on Music oh, Row that. in Nashville once. I did it in Nashville on like a Tuesday night. There wasn't anything else <laughs> going on. And the windows of the bar were open and there were, we, I gathered a crowd like on the street came up and were, they were watching me from behind because the stage was in the front of the place. And I was doing the acapella bluegrass version of Gin and Juice first verse. <laughs> and then they went into Snoop Dogg's version and the crowd outside was like, hell yeah. So, hell yeah. <laughs> I, and, and yes, if you're wondering at home, I, few bourbons in me so <laughs> there's a on music row doing karaoke in nashville 
All right. So you got, you've got, uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to save one of these songs because we're going to play out with this one, which is just a fantastic version of it. But you've got Don't Leave Me This Way, good old Teddy Pendergrass song. You've got, we've heard on this, uh, on the show here tonight, uh, we've heard The Devil Went Down to Utah, your version of that. You got Take On Me. Uh, you've got We Like to Party, which is uh, a little obscure for some people, but if they hear it, I think they would know what it is. I am very familiar with that song. Yeah, it's the yep. Six Flags theme song. <laughs> oh, that's true. Okay. All right. So there there you go. So I didn't make that connection, but yep, you're right. What theme um, song? You, you've also got, we, we played Psycho Killer. We played Dark Horse. We played Faith. You've got um, The Bad Touch by the Bloodhound Gang, which <laughs> who in the hell covers that? You guys do. Holy <laughs> shit. We had to, learn, we had to learn it for a wedding and it just kind of stuck. <laughs> <laughs> and you, That's you gotta also, be so fun though. You you've also you've also got a Tevin Campbell song from the Goofy yeah. movie. Eye yeah. to eye. <laughs> I mean That's like think- our happy place song. We would we would sing that when we were on tour and spirits were low. We would use that song as like a hype tool. Just like we'd like like one of us would just get the sleepy, cranky eyes. And the other one person would just be like, well, I've got myself a notion. One, I know that you understand. And everybody would just like, you can't not join in if that is, if you saw that, and it, <laughs> that it, movie at the same age that we all did. <laughs> it lends itself to bluegrass, too. It's got that nice little, you know, sort of rhythm that you can mimic on it's guitar. Got the gallop, or, which yeah. is pretty easy to do on the mandolin. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to say about the album, too, we have some really fantastic guests on the album um, on the devil went down to Georgia. The devil is played by um, Jeremy Garrett from the infamous string dusters. Okay. And on uh, uh, the, uh, Oh man, give me shelter. Andy Hall takes a Dobro solo. That is like, yeah, so cool. <laughs> I've listened to it a lot. Um, and then uh, we have uh Ann Fung from Twisted Pine, who's a phenomenal flautist and flute player. <laughs> and she takes a ripping solo on Don't Leave Me This Way. Oh. And then nice. Sam Zickfruits Armstrong uh, takes a banjo solo on We Like to Party. And he has been touring with the Little Smokies these days. So you have probably seen him out there if you've seen him, seen the Smokies in the last few months. And he's just uh, one of my favorite people. And we told him, all we told him was like, we want Mario Kart banjo. <laughs> And he was like, I actually know exactly what you mean. Okay. There you <laughs> and he go. understood the assignment. He did a great job. That's awesome. Sounds like a sounds like a parallel of like an Eddie Van Halen story. He just walks in and said, do it this way. And he just does it one take and leaves. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> That's <on> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so what was there, how much of these were picked for, I mean, I think you've sort of alluded to the fact that these are just songs that you guys play anyway, but how much for the album, how much of these were picked for maybe the <laughs> silliness humor, you know, versus we, we know we want to paint these songs with a different sound for people. Um, well, painting the songs with a different sound for people is something we kind of do across the board mm-hmm. because we all, you know, that's one of the one thing we've always found as a fun challenge is taking songs like, you know, like Dark Horse by Katy Perry or The Bad Touch by the Bloodhound Gang that are these really silly, dumb songs. And it's like, how can you make this fun to do? Like, how can we make this sound good? Um, and sometimes that 
we take a completely new brush to it. You know, we re we like we we reshape it and and make it make it our own, like with reharmonizations and added sections and stuff, little jams here and there. Um, but then some songs, it's just like you can just do bluegrass too, and they just turn out just fine. Like we like to party, we just do that, but bluegrass, and it's just fine. And then we speed up, and it's like that is a hundred and ten percent picked for silliness. <laughs> and the same with the bad touch. I was just like, the, I mean, I we put that say. on the album because we were just like, people will hear this and just be like, how, like, how dare they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's kind of what I thought because when I when I saw the when I saw the bad touch, I was like, wait a minute, that's not that no crazy white rap group in the nineties, is it? <laughs> that- and then I looked it up, and it was, and I was like, are you what? No. They're not going to, and then they do, and then like the funniest thing about Bad Touch is like <laughs> we all just like kind of got because when you're when you record something and you're getting to the mixing phase, you listen to it over and over and over and over, and I can I, you could probably guess how much all of us were just sick to death of that song. Oh, I bet the, on the two thousandth listen, and we're just like it needs something, and we just added a four on the floor beat. And then we made, and then Andrew took a guitar solo and just like, kind of like, hate, hate, um, loved. Hate <laughs> the, played. And like, hate shredded. And it's just like, his guitar solo is like, so good. Yeah. <laughs> Saves the day. It's, um, it definitely puts a new spin on the song for sure. Of course, the greatest thing about that song, I will say, is smothered and covered. The Waffle House mention is that's the best line in the song for me. But of course. It's such a deep cut. <laughs> <laughs> it is, definitely. And by the way, we will put a link to the Bloodhound Gang version of the Bad Touch video on YouTube in the show notes just oh, because God. you need to go get sick at listening to that song again. Please. Do uh. it. <laughs> Yeah, the not safe for work. <laughs> yeah, not safe for work. I think the uh I don't think that um that video stands the test of time. <laughs> no, yeah, it does not. It aren't didn't they, age well. It, it, if I'm not mistaken, aren't they all in like dog suits, dog uniforms? Like monkey. mascot dog It's just Oh, terrible. is it mo- Oh, yeah. They're just like monkeys. Yeah. Oh, they're just like monkeys. Okay. All right. I knew it was something brown, so uh, just it just it's awful. So um, I don't know how any record company greenlighted that shit, but you know. Well, here we are talking about it. How many years later? So. <laughs> That's true. We 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 may just invig- reinvigorate the career of the Bloodhound Gang, and if we do, then God damn it, you're welcome, world. <laughs> <laughs> what what's been the reaction to these songs live? Um, we usually use them. We usually just do a few in the set, um, and they come in handy when we have to pl- when we're playing at like a festival and we have multiple sets throughout the weekend. So we usually throw like one or two covers into the set, and they're kind of there as that hook line sinker type thing, you know. It's so like we want to, you know, if anybody hasn't heard us before, we want to give them that like excuse to listen to us because they know the song. Um, but then the, th- the su- surprising thing to me is how often some of these songs get requested. Like people will, will come to us and request and they'll be like, we want to hear the bad touch. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you want to hear it again? Wow. <laughs> like, wasn't once on the album enough? <laughs> like, no, they want to hear it. And so we play it. 
Well, it's like a novelty, you know, that's something, it's it's unusual. I think it's great. Yeah. It's also good, too, because a lot of these songs cross genres. Like, you know, Don't Leave Me This Way is like a disco hit. And, you know, Dark Horse is like so weird modern pop. And then uh, Psycho Killer is like totally, I think in the jam band community, Psycho Killer is pretty well done. Oh, yeah. I think of uh, Don't Leave Me This Way, I think of the 80s version by the Communards. Oh, I don't know that one. Oh, nice. that was that was my jam back in the day. Yeah, I'm awesome. old enough to remember music in the 80s. I would not have thought of the name of the Communards for an hour. I wouldn't have been able to think of that. So. Oh, that was one of my faves. Like, I had the cassette tape and everything. Oh, my goodness. We're talking cassette tapes now. And my walk ben, ben, are you even old enough to have had a cassette tape? Um, I had I had cassette tapes when I, when I was a kid. I had a Walkman cassette tape. And I listened to, um, like the theme ranger or the theme music from Power Rangers. I think. Oh wow! Okay. I was like, I think eight, (laughs) you know. Um, But then uh, I had cassettes in my car for a long time. Okay. Well, into my twenties. All right. Well, you're you're acceptable in the adult circles. We'll 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 accept you for that. (laughs) Thank you. you (laughs) Tell us about the new album, the new music that is on the horizon. Um, well, it's fun. Um, it's a mixture of new music that we have written recently and new music that we have never released but have been performing for a while. Um, and there's a nice, nice mixture of like slow and pretty songs. We're kind of leaning into a more wistful side of our song repertoire um because we have a lot of really pretty songs and we always talk about this when we're on the road because you it, it, it you, you can't just play soft songs all the time when you're trying to gain fans in a new area the high energy stuff really grabs them or maybe that's the excuse we tell ourselves but we always end up like not playing the pretty songs live unless we have like a special night or like the 15th set of a weekend <laughs> as we do sometimes. But um, so yeah, we have a lot of really beautiful songs on there that I'm really excited about and some earworms. Um, one of them that we've been, if you've seen us live <clears throat> anytime since the winter, we've been singing, closing out our sets with the song Powder Day by Amanda Bowie Graves, and um, it is an absolute earworm and such a, like, a shit-kicking good time. <laughs> it's, it's like about old skiing? time AF and is a lot of fun. It's about how you, um, there's a saying, no friends on a powder day, which kind of just means like when it snows and there's fresh powder and you're trying to ski at all, because once it's like that stuff is, once it's gone, it's gone. Once it's packed down, right. it's packed down. Right. And uh, so, yeah, the saying is there's no friends on a powder day. Because if your friends can't keep up with you and you want to go skiing, then your friends know where the bar is. <laughs> and you and can meet them there later. <laughs> that's, that's where I, I will mean. be because skiing and me do not get along. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I, do, I tried it a few times. Nope, not for me. No. So, um, so then where can people find your music? We're on all the streaming services, um, and we have CDs available for purchase at our show that are a very direct way to support your local musicians and your touring musicians. Um, And yeah, all of our albums that we have released are on Spotify, and um, you can go to our website, 
partygrassmusic.com. And I think we have a merch link there where you can buy hard CDs. And this next album, one of the exciting Can we buy things. cassette tapes? <laughs> no. <laughs> You'll have to burn a CD to a cassette tape. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this next album we are planning to release on vinyl. So Oh, lovely. Love it. We're, That's um, good stuff. We're setting it up with an A side and a B side so that it, it'll 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 fit pressed nice and pretty and be a lot of fun. Excellent. Excellent. Awesome. Well, we will I will make sure to get the <clears throat> vinyl version. I have a growing vinyl collection. I'm I only just got my turntable for my kids for Christmas a couple of years ago, so I'm still adding to it. But uh I will make sure that Pixie and the Party Grass boys are in my my crate over there with all my records. So there you we'll go. Uh, Pixie and the Party Grass Boys, the uh, album out right now is called The Chicken Coop Volume 1. Of course, we're going to link to everything in the show notes and uh, all that good stuff so that you can get to the albums, you can get to the Spotify's, you can get to the YouTube videos, you can get to the merch, all that good stuff. Uh, ben Weiss, thank you so much for the time and uh, safe travels out west. Yes, It was a sure. pleasure. Thanks for having me. It was so good chatting with you guys and sharing funny stories. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what the show's all about. And uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go to break. You mentioned this song. I didn't, I didn't call it out specifically. You did mention it, but I have to play this because, oh my goodness, Katya's vocals on this are outstanding. And we're going to go to break with this. So Pixie and the Party Grass Boys, this one is a cover of Gimme Shelter. Andy Hall. Welcome back to Roots Music Rambler. It's time for the picking the grinning segment of uh, the show. That's where uh, Frank and I tell you uh, what we're picking uh, this week that has been we've been listening to that's been making us grin. Uh, so we're picking the grinning. Uh, so uh, Frank, what's up? What you've been listening to lately? So, okay, we talked earlier in the show about going to small shows at small venues to kind of see. Um, the up and coming artists and along those same lines, I've kind of made it, uh, but I've always done this, but I, I pay more attention to it now. Um, making it to any show that I go to on time to catch the opener. Ah. And that's how I found Nathan Graham, right? He opened mm -hmm. for drive by truckers. So last week, I mean, by the time this airs, it will have been several weeks later, but, um, I went to the Nathan Graham record release 
show at Fitzgerald's nightclub in Berwyn, Illinois, which is legendary. And, um, he had an opener that night and her name is Sarah Jean Stevens. And she, I did, I didn't know what to expect. And I, I kind of like it that way, you know, um, no preconceived notions or anything. And, um, she came out on stage and first of all, she's like cute as a button. She's like this big and (laughs) she has the best hair. I could not stop staring at her hair. And, um, but she sounds amazing. She, she has played with a, a band, a full band, and she plays guitar. And um, I just love the sound. She described her music as sort of like, um, oh, gosh, what did she say? Like something mixed with 1950s prom. And I was like, okay, I, hmm. I, I can hear that, you know. And um, she was really good. I really enjoyed her set opening for Nathan Graham. And um, I've been listening to her stuff this week she's um got a few songs out on like spotify i don't i can't recall if there's a full album yet okay however um she's an illinois gal so um you know always like to support the local artists and she just her voice is just very sweet and um yeah so that's that's my pick for the week that's a great one. And uh, well, Sarah Jean Stevens. So we'll make sure to link to that, uh, her stuff on Spotify where you can find her. Um, I'm going to go uh, with a new album. Um, and I've been really curious about this album because I've heard several of her songs over the years. I've heard her you know, do duets with a couple of pretty famous people. I love her voice, but I haven't really gotten into her music. And so uh, Margot Price uh, has a new oh. album out and I was, Another I kind of went, went into it the same way you go into it with the opening acts. I didn't really know what to expect. Yeah. Um, but what I heard was definitely not what I expected. Okay. Um, and I, I'm not sure yet if it's, it's in a good way or, or kind of a meh way, uh, oh, because okay. I, I've only listened to the album. It's actually a double album. It's two, two discs. If you buy CDs or, I guess it'll probably be out on vinyl, so it'll be two uh, uh, two albums. It's a double album. Uh, I definitely disc two is better, in my opinion, than the others. Okay. Um, but it was it had much more of a Americana rock feel than country, and I think I expected more country. Um, oh. Again, I don't know that that's a bad thing because the songs were pretty good. Mm-hmm. And there was, um, she also, she's got, there's a couple of cuts on there, uh, that, uh, Mike Campbell, uh, plays mm-hmm. guitar. So the guitarist for the, uh, the heartbreakers, uh, Tom Petty and the heartbreakers, legendary guitarist. Yep. Uh, so he's on there, play slide on one, one song and it sounds almost like a Tom Petty song. So there's some, there's some good influences on there. Um, but she's got a, there's a song on disc two called strays and I, I would love for everybody to listen to it. I'll link to a, a cut of it in the show notes. The It starts out, and I thought, is she covering uh, the Ramones? Like, it sounded like a punk song. Okay. Um, and But then had a lot more, you know, sort of vibrancy and depth and whatnot as the, the song got it. So th- there's some really good stuff there. Um, I'm just starting to explore it. I don't know that I'm going to jump up and down and say I love it yet. But yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah. So that's how I would, would classify the new Margot Price album upon hearing it once. I'm going to go okay. back and dig in some more. But, yeah, it's uh, 
it's it's interesting. I'm I'm exploring it. Did you already mention? Had you listened to Margot much before? I, I a few songs here or there, okay. um, and of course, I, the first time I, w- I was ever introduced to her, uh, she did a duet with John Prine years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in concert, maybe on one of his albums, uh, the duet album. I think she was on that one, maybe. Uh, but I, I saw or heard her live with him somewhere along the way. That's how okay. I remember being introduced to her. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I was expecting much more of a country song, but it's definitely not really a country album, in my opinion. Okay. All so, right. Yeah. No. Margo's one of those artists. I appreciate her talent and her creativity. And I know there are so many people like in my nerdy Facebook music groups that <laughs> just like they call her Queen Margot. And um, I, I get it. I understand why. Um, but I haven't really been able to dive really deep into her catalog. The songs that I hear are okay and they're just fine for me. Um, maybe one day I'll I'll dive in. But um, she does have a really fantastic cover of You Don't Own Me. Mm. Um, that's the name of it, right? You Don't Own Me. Um, it, it, that is, that's really, really good. Very so nice. I get what you're saying about Margot. Well, and I'll I'll throw a, I'll throw something out there for the youngsters, uh, uh, both of our daughters and uh, other youngsters who may stumble across the show. Um, I intentionally, without influence from Katie, my daughter, uh, listened to a Boy Genius song today. Uh, actually, uh, it was "Afraid of Heights" was one of their new new cuts from their new album, mm-hmm. and I was quite impressed. The harmonies mm-hmm. were magnificent. Yeah, they sound yeah. fantastic in harmony, yeah. and that's enough to hook me to listen to more uh, Boy Genius because uh, I was like, "Oh, okay, this oh they sound really good. A good harmony will always hook me." For that sure, and a Hammond B three. You play those two things, I'm in. There you go. All right. All right, Roots Music Rambler is a production of Falls and Partners, copyright 2023. Our theme music is Sheep Skin and Beeswax by Gentacorum. Join us online at rootsmusicrambler.com. Make sure you mash that subscribe or follow button so you remember uh, to join us for the next hoedown and throwdown. She's Frank. He's Falls. And the damn thing's not working. What? Sorry. Do you need the teleprompter? I I just I don't remember the last line the right way. Fuck it, whatever. Whatever you do, kids. And whatever you do, kids, ramble on. I saw the George Michael Faith tour. I was there. No Ooh. shit. No shit. <laughs> That's here's, so cool. Here's my story. The, the, I'll, I'll put this in the outtake so people can hear it. Hopefully she'll hear it too. The lady I'm going to mention here, because this oh, will embarrass boy. the shit out of her. No, I'm not, I can't. Oh God, I can't. I can't. I can't say who it is. Okay. So I go to the George Michael Faith tour, Rupp Arena, <laughs> Lexington, Kentucky. This is 1989, 90, something like that. Uh, my, a real good friend of mine, uh, uh, took his, uh, took a date and I took a date. 
Um, and neither one of us were like seriously dating. We just, we just, we just went as two couples, mm. um, just friends more than anything else. And I don't know how we did this, but we ended up in a hotel suite before the concert and we ordered a case of Bartles and James wine coolers because we were 17 and it was 1990. Um, and so we have wine coolers and we get a little buzz on and then we go to the concert and we're <laughs> on the floor about 20 rows back from the stage. So we're kind of right in the middle of the, the basketball floor in this arena. And we look up and then like the third row is our... I can't, I can't, it's one of our teachers from high school and she's there and she's all gussied up and she is in a group of people. I cannot say that I witnessed her do this, but she is in a group of people who decided that it was going to be fine during the show to throw their bras on stage. So we were horrified, horrified. <laughs> that that was George Michael in in 1990. It was yeah. Teachers gone uh, wild. There you go. And I'm <laughs> Ben she, is tickled. She's gonna she is uh, gonna reach out to me. The teacher is gonna reach out to me and thank me for not mentioning who she was <laughs> or what subject she taught or anything like that. Because if that's that a good idea, Jason. Her, good call. She would, yeah. So you're, you're uh, welcome, uh, Mrs. What's your name? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's a great story. It was so funny. Oh man, we were just oh, we were horrified. <laughs>